What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No BS Finance. Today, we are diving into all things pensions, including what they are, how they work, how much you contribute, who manages them, and much more. It's a very relevant topic today for everyone because basically everyone has a pension, whether you know about it or not. Before we get into that, as always, this podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not meant as investment advice. If you do like the podcast, please download, like, share, as it really does help tremendously. My email, my Instagram, they're in the show notes if you want to ask any questions or have any real-life scenarios you want me to cover on the podcast. If you're interested in a one-on-one personal finance consult to discuss your own personal finances, check out my website. The link is in the show notes and also in my Instagram bio. Other than that, let's kick off this episode on pensions. Let's start this out by talking about what exactly a pension is, because I think the word pension gets tossed around quite a bit, but most people don't actually know what it is. So let's go to the dictionary, quote unquote, definition of a pension plan. So a pension plan is an employee benefit that commits the employer to make regular contributions to a pool of money set aside to fund payments made to employees after they retire. What a mouthful that is. I don't even understand what they were trying to say. So let's summarize. Basically, it's a benefit an employee gets from an employer or a government or really themselves, which is essentially a pool of money set aside for retirement. So, break it down even more, it is a pool of money that is used in retirement or for retirement. Simple enough. Before we get into how they work, I want to cover off some other basic information about pensions. So, there are two main types of pension plans. There is a defined benefit pension plan, pension plan and a defined contribution pension plan. So, a defined pension plan is essentially a company going at retirement, you will get X amount of money when you contribute X amount every month or paycheck. So the benefit you get is already set in stone for when you retire. Now these are becoming increasingly rare because there is a massive liability put on the company and they obviously don't like that. So why is there a massive liability? Because what if the returns on your contributions are smaller than expected. So let's say uh, when you get hired, they're like, hey, um, we're gonna lock in a million dollars. Let's just say for example, like at the end of your time here, if you contribute this amount, you're gonna get a million dollars. Now let's say that at the end of your contributions, when you're ready to retire, the plan only has $800,000 for you. But in your contract, it says, hey, I've, I'm owed a million because it's a defined benefit plan. So who's going to make up that $200,000 difference? The company will, or the company has to. So if their returns on their plan aren't as good, then they're liable for that difference. So that's why they don't like it, because if they come up short, then they're on the hook for quite a bit of money. So on the other hand, the defined contribution plan is much more common and works by essentially contributing to the plan at a set contribution rate, and you get what you get at the end. Whatever whatever your contributions grow into, that's what you get. And that's how a lot of plans work these days. You see it a lot with RSP or RPP matching, 
where maybe the employer will match 3%. I think the range for matching is usually somewhere between 3 to 6%. So let's just say your employer matches 3%. So let's say you contribute 5% of your paycheck and the employer matches up to 3% of that. And there you are defining your contribution, but you're not defining the end benefit, which is the main difference. So you're defining the contribution as opposed to defining that end benefit. So those are the two different types. And now I want to speak about the actual accounts because as you heard me mention, there was an RPP and RRSP. Um, This is more Canada focused in the States. Um, They have a 401k which works much the same way as the RSP here in Canada and employee pensions will generally flow through that account. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to focus on Canada because I think most of my listeners are Canada. But if you are from the States and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, what is it in America? I do have that information. I'm just not sharing it here. So shoot me an email um, and I will answer your American questions as well. But as I was just talking about before my little tangent there, um, there was an RPP and an RRSP that I mentioned before. So I've covered the RRSP in a previous episode, and it stands for Registered Retirement Savings Plan, whereas the RPP is a Registered Pension Plan. So what's the difference? The difference is that the RRSP is individual, and an RPP is a plan established by a company to provide a pension to employees. Now, they work very similarly in structure, and essentially it is up to the company you work for whether they want to set up an RPP or just say that they'll contribute to your RSP. Um, I've worked for um, I've worked for multiple companies. One hadn't, or some have had RPPs. Some just go straight into the RSP. It really, I think it depends on the size of your company and the infrastructure they kind of had in place from the beginning. Um, I think there's tax advantages both ways. For companies, maybe a bit more with the RPP, but I think it is a bit more cumbersome to set up. Um, but that's one thing or another. So you will also find that many companies, or in fact, probably all companies, will get you to set up your RPP or RRSP through a large financial institution. And then your money goes in there. Um, you can pick the investments that you kind of want. Um, but essentially, the main difference, I would say, is... So the main difference between the RSP and RPP, sorry, is that I myself can't just start an RPP for myself, or at least not to my knowledge. It has to be like more of a group thing or through a company, whereas I can start my own RSP however and whenever I want. So that that's the main difference between those two. Um, the final bit of fundamental knowledge I want to mention before I get into the details is regarding the CPP here in Canada. So the CPP is an earnings-related social insurance program where you contribute over your lifetime and you get monthly payments from it when you retire. So it's basically a a defined contribution plan because how much you get is determined by how much you contribute. Um, And it is taken off of each of your paychecks. You'll probably notice that CPP deduction kind of thing on each of your paychecks. And if you listen to my market wrap from last week, you'll know that Alberta and the CPP are butting heads a little bit right now. So now that we know the fundamentals of what a pension plan is, the different types, that kind of thing, now we need to get into how do they actually work. And 
it's relatively straightforward. So let's use a typical example that you will find in a lot of companies. So as I mentioned, I think a lot of companies that do provide matching would be anywhere between 3% and 6% per paycheck. So let's say that a company offers you a 3% match into a group RRSP. You can also substitute this for RPP if you want, but same general um, concept. So let's say the company offers you 3% match into a group RRSP. Um, we will only be covering a defined contribution plan here because defined benefit plans are kind of a thing of the past and not overly relevant to everybody on this planet. So you get this 3% match into a group RRSP. The company will then enlist a fund or a fund manager to manage this money because they're not going to do it themselves. Your company might be a construction company. What the fuck would they know about managing your money? So they get another company to come in and manage this money. So essentially, you will be asked to sign up with this company. Some examples would be like IA Financial, Manulife, I think Sun Life would do it, but companies like that. So these large financial institutions that would manage your money. So you sign up with this company and they ask you all about your risk tolerance, your time horizon, stuff like that that I've mentioned in previous podcasts that are relevant for your investments. The company will then, you, you sometimes get a choice. So the company will either... You can like pick one of their funds that you want to invest into. They'll give you some recommendations, something like that. But usually it's one of their quote unquote funds that you will invest into. And these funds are made up of underlying securities such as stocks, bonds, etc. And the makeup of this fund will vary based on how you answer the questions. Um, so like if you were like, oh, I'm on a short time horizon, maybe you're like 60 plus or not 60 plus, let's say you're like 55 and you're like, oh, like I'm going to retire in like 10 years. Um, I don't want to be very risky. Then it, the, the fund will be one that's not very like stock heavy or something like that. But if you're in your twenties and you answered like, oh, like I have a super long time horizon. Like I'm, uh, I like risky stuff. Then they're going to be, okay, here's a big stock port or stock fund that has been up in the past, like 20%, but also as low as like 15%. So like big swings, you know what I mean? So Stuff like that. On the other hand, you can also manually pick the fund you want um, for a lot of these, but it's it's totally up to you. Like they'll give you recommendations and be like, hey, like we think you should do this fund based on how you answer the question. Some will let you just uh, go off and be like, oh, like pick whatever fund you want. Here are the fun facts, that kind of thing. I usually, because I'm, I'm younger, so... My retirement's in the future. I can just be like, hey, like this one looks pretty good, has a pretty good track record. They recommended it. And I'm just gonna be like, hey, good. That's good enough for me based on how I answered the questions. But it's totally up to you. You can manually pick as well. They give you all the information. It's pretty straightforward. So they sign you up for this fund and essentially 3% of your paycheck goes straight into this fund and then it is matched by your employer. So, so your 3%, let's say it's, I don't know, let's just call it 300 bucks. Then the... Um, then the company will match your 300 bucks and put it into this fund. If you don't have matching, then just take out that employer matching part and 3% of this will just go into the fund. Easy as that. So you invest into there and the fund will hopefully grow in value over time. Like that's the goal is that your um, contributions appreciate. And then as you can continue to make contributions, it will grow and grow. And then when you retire, you will hopefully have a good sum of money in there. Like that's 
once again the end goal. And that is essentially how a pension works. You put money into an account, which hopefully grows, and then when retirement rolls around, you have money. Ain't that cool. Now, there are some things to keep in mind. These pensions, um, you don't touch this for shit. Like, don't, don't touch a pension fund for anything. This is retirement. This isn't Jan's Toyota Tacoma truck fund. This is retirement fund where you do not even think about touching this. You don't even question the payments coming out of your paycheck. Let's make that abundantly clear. Like this is this is so you can survive when you stop working. Like when you stop working, hopefully it's sooner rather than later, but think about it. That's like another 30 years that you have to live off of 20, 30 years, whatever it is, however long you think you're going to live, like you have to last off this money that you're saving now. So we don't touch it for a new truck, a new car, a house, a, I don't know, a new TV or any of these huge purchases that people make. So we don't touch that. Now, the final two things I want to cover are pension funds and the CPP. So the CPP, as I mentioned, is a government pension plan, which every Canadian should contribute to and are basically forced to contribute to when they are an employee. Um, If you are self-employed, usually you you should continue to contribute to it and um, register with the CPP. Um, And it works pretty much the exact same way, except you literally have zero control. Um, It is all based on how much you contribute over your life. And then... They put it into a a fund. I can't remember who the fund manager is, but basically they manage all the CPP. Um, You don't get to be like, oh, I want to put it in this fund. Like, no, you don't have any control. They deal with everything. They're very strictly regulated. Um, But basically, you it's based on how much you contribute over your life. Um, The government will basically hit you up with some money at the end. You don't know how it's getting invested, but that's just life. The other thing I wanted to cover are what are called pension funds. Pension funds are exactly as they sound, and they manage people's pensions. Um, You usually find pension funds managing government employee pensions because a lot of them deal with um, the the, a lot of them deal with defined benefit pension plans. Um, Like that stuff is still kind of around for government employees. So stuff like WorkSafe, ICBC, health unions, teachers unions. Um, will usually use big pension funds to manage their money. And these funds are super highly regulated. Um, One of the largest in BC is BCI or British Columbia Investments, and they are super, super regulated, meaning that they have very strict rules on how they can invest money. And they must stay within the limits approved by basically the board of directors. And pension funds, these companies must do what is in the interest of the people and not just try to maximize profits like something like a hedge fund or something like that. For example, say you had 80%, you had an 80% bond portfolio with 20% stocks. So 80-20 in, and let's say these 20% stocks are in high dividend yielding stocks. If you worked at the pension fund and you, let's just say you knew with 100% certainty, for whatever reason, not insider trading or anything, that Tesla was going to shoot up 40% over the next three months. You knew it. You knew this was going to happen. You could not just add that to the fund's portfolio. 
because it would be outside the mandate. That's a very risky stock. That's not a high dividend yielding stock and certainly not a bond. So you, even if you knew, if you knew at 100% certainty, for whatever reason, that it was going to go up, you couldn't just go add that because it's outside that, that fund mandate because you have to do what is the best for the people. And a lot of people, um, yeah, and for a lot of people, that is staying consistent with what you have, 80% uh, bonds, 20% high dividend yielding stocks with no gambles. Like this is people that, like that kind of stock portfolio would be someone who's like five years from retirement. If you go and fucking throw some stuff into Tesla as a fund manager and you lose 20% of your value, people are gonna be fucking irate because this is people's retirement and it is very, very important, especially when you get to the end that you are managing that money correctly with no big gambles. But in general, you don't see as many large pension funds anymore. Um, Well, I guess you do see large pension funds, but maybe they're not funding as many pensions, if that makes sense. Like they still manage money, um, but it might not be for like a defined contribution pension plan anymore. So, so there's not as many like super large ones because now you can outsource into like, um, a Manulife or an IA financial, which are a little bit smaller than like some of those big conglomerates you see. Um, but these large pension funds like have transitioned pretty well into like, oh, like RSP matching, like not just doing um, the defined benefit plans, which I think is how they got so big before. So yeah, as, as I said, um, now people can use all types of financial institutions for their pensions. They don't need to use these super large pension funds. But I do think that these funds are transitioning really well. Um, they do have a great infrastructure set up. They are very, very well managed, very, very strictly regulated. And they do act in the best interest of the people investing and aren't just trying to out there maximizing profits everywhere. So with that, that's going to wrap up today's episode on pensions. Um, it's a fairly straightforward concept. Um, but it is good to know what they are and how they work and kind of where your money is going when you invest in these things. And you're not just like, oh, like I'm just throwing this money into the into the void and hopefully it comes back to me at some point. Because I think that's what a lot of people think. They don't actually know where their money's going. Um, and I also think that a lot of people don't take advantage of the matching, um, which to me is just free money, um, especially if you're going to invest or save money anyways, like you might as well get some money, more money out of your employer while you're at it, put it into these funds that are very well managed, and then just let that money grow over time. So that being said, I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope you learned something new. If you like the podcast, please like it, share it, download it as it really does help tremendously. If you have questions about this episode, shoot me an email. If you want to talk about your financial situation, find me on nobsfinances.com and let's get started. Thanks again, everyone. I hope you have a great day and we will see you next week.